Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Morgan Potts, the founder and CEO of Granarly. Granarly is the world's first whiskey-baked granola that comes in unique flavor combinations like dark chocolate and espresso, cream cheese and cinnamon, and avocado and apple crisps. Granarly comes conveniently packaged in waterproof pouches so that you can bring your snack on any adventure. In this episode, Morgan chats about turning down vet school to start her own business, how she's been able to get her products into retailers like Whole Foods and Central Market, and the importance of viewing business as an adventure. Let's get into the show. Thank you so much for joining me on Office Chats. I'd love to just get started by getting some background on the career path that led you to entrepreneurship. Okay, let's get after it. I love it. Thank you for having me today, by the way. I'm so excited to be here. So background into what led me to Granarly. It's kind of a crazy story. I have a degree in animal science. I wanted to be a vet and I got accepted to vet school March of me about to graduate college back in 2015. It was the same week that I got accepted to vet school that I had the dream of Granarly. That threw me for a loop because here's this thing that... I had a dream about to put whiskey and granola and call it Granarly. And I'd always wanted to start my own business. So I'm conflicted with something I've worked for four years on versus something that I feel like I was called to do. I'm sure turning down vet school to pursue your business wasn't an easy decision. Like you said, it was a guarantee versus taking a risk, right? So what was that process like for you to make that decision? And can you share any advice for someone who feels like they might have a calling, but they're a little scared to take that leap? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it absolutely was a risk, but it was one of those things that I couldn't stop thinking about. I was so torn, as you can imagine, and what probably a lot of people are listening today, like I'm comfortable in my career, I make good money, I have benefits, and should I throw all that down the drain for this thing that might or might not work? I really just had to lean in and trust my gut. I said to myself, and I'll never forget this, I said, I will never regret saying no to vet school and starting Granarly, but I will always regret going to vet school and never giving Granarly a chance. And I never looked back at vet school, which is how I knew. I just had the peace inside of me. But I want to mention too, because people hear my story and they're like, well, I don't have a dream. Like, what if I don't have a quote unquote calling on my life? And I'm like, well, you do. It's those things that you can't stop thinking about. It's the inspiration you get from other people from listening to things like this. Like what comes up in your mind of like, I feel like I'm passionate about this and how can you either lean into that as a side hustle or make it a business? It's been the scariest, riskiest thing I've ever done in my life, but I've been very open-handed with it. And I'm like, if Granarly ends today, I'll be grateful for the past seven years because I've learned so much about not only myself, but just other people and running a business and just so much knowledge that I can take into my next thing. So 
some of that peace you were talking about comes with not always having that little thing in the back of your head, like, oh, what if I would have tried it? You know, because you did. And so that was worth it for you. Yeah. And you make a great point. That's how I wake up every day. And I'm like, you know, today might be hard and scary and I might have to make some big phone call or whatever it is. But I know that I'm absolutely where I'm supposed to be. And that's the thing you can't trade for anything in the world. I can preach all day long that I took the risk and started Grunarly, but up until recently, I've had a side job. Like I've been working other businesses because I want that stability. I want that comfort of knowing, okay, like I'm not going to starve, but we're at this point with Grunarly where it's growing so much that I am taking that last leap of fully trusting in myself. And I'd be lying if I said it was easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I think that's important for people to hear too. Like it's okay to maintain your day job. Like that is sometimes the smartest thing you could do for your livelihood. The hardest thing when starting is having the financial pressure of it. And so I do think that there is this fine line of like being wise, you know, you don't want to be like, okay, like we'll figure it out. Um, I do think that you can still work hard chasing your dreams while being smart with money or having an income. I do want to discuss your growth a little bit more, but first for people who aren't familiar with your brand, can you tell us what Grenarly is, what you offer and what sets you apart from other options out there? At the root, we create epic on-the-go granola blends. We like to be the main event, not the sprinkle on top. And (laughs) we started with whiskey granola, which sets us apart in the granola category. No one's making that. Two of our blends are baked with honey whiskey. It bakes out the alcohol content, just makes it taste good and good enough to eat by itself. We launched three other blends, um, a dark chocolate espresso, a skinny jeans blend that has like oats and chia seeds and nutmeg. It's gluten-free and vegan. And then our groovy green blend, which is the newest one. And one of our best sellers, it's sweetened with avocados, dates, and a little maple syrup and has no added sugar. So we do have granola blends that are for everyone, um, whether you're the whiskey person or avocado person, or just want something in between. But at the heart of Grenarly, I'm on a mission to encourage people to get outside. I feel like moving and grooving in your body is important every day for your mental health and just well-being, but also to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone, because I do think that's where real growth happens. And yeah, just taking risk and making every day an adventure. I'm sure like being able to test those granolas as you were making them was one of the funnest parts. I'd love to hear more about what the development process was like for creating those unique flavors that you just talked about. Yeah, I love that question. I'm not a baker. I'm not a chemist. I'm not a food scientist. So let me just go ahead and put that out there for people listening. With Grenarly blends, I kind of like our Louisiana king cake blend, for instance. I don't know if you've had king cake, but Mm -hmm. it's like a cinnamon cream cheese Mardi Gras treat. And I kind of just thought, okay, well, like what makes up a king cake? And I just went to the kitchen and whipped up some icing and some oats and, you know, threw some whiskey in there and came up with it. And it sounds crazy because I feel like I visualized the recipes. That sounds so ridiculous, but it's almost true. And the funny thing about Grenarly is all of our blends today are the same recipes that I used the first time I ever made it. I pretty much just visualized them and baked them. It's kind of wild. That is awesome. And I know the other really unique aspect of your granola is those waterproof pouches that some of your granolas come in. Was that your idea from the start or did that come about later? That came about later, kind of indirectly. We, so we brought, we bought a food truck and moved to Austin in 2017 and we were already making granarly as the granola, but we were putting it on top of acai bowls and toast and people loved the granola so much. They were like, can we buy this? And 
I noticed that there was big bags of granola, like cereal, and then there were granola bars, but nothing on the go. And we preached adventure and like getting outside and living your best life. And so I found this packaging company here in town who I've grown to know and love. They do flexible packaging and their pouches are, if you pick a certain degree of thickness, they're waterproof. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius because (laughs) no one talks about their snacks being waterproof. All of our pouches are super flexible, meant to be taken on any and every adventure. They can fold in half. They can go in your snowboarding jacket. You can jump in the water with them. So it's just kind of a fun spin on a traditional snack. And definitely aligns with your like company value of of adventure, especially, you know, if you're hiking and like it starts raining, your food is ruined for the day. But if you have a waterproof pouch to me, that's just so genius. Yeah. You can eat granarly in the rain. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you mentioned moving to Austin to start a food truck originally. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the first steps you took to turning your idea into a business back in 2017. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to move to Austin and I had been starting Grenarly in Louisiana where it's still manufactured today, but I wanted to move to Austin and there was a food truck festival coming up and I was like, okay, well, I'll just apply and see what happens. I didn't even have a food truck. So I applied. They accepted me immediately. They were like, you got the last spot. We're so excited to have you. Can we see a picture of your food truck? And I was like, um, it's in the shop. And so <laughs> I went and I found a food truck the next day. No joke. And so me and my roommate renovated a food truck, moved to Austin. We were already packaging Grenarly a little bit, but I started talking to customers more. Like it's one thing to start a business and sell to your friends and family. And they're so supportive and I would not have been able to start Grenarly without my community. But then you start talking to strangers and people that don't know you and aren't emotionally attached to your company. And so I just started listening to what people were saying. That skyrocketed me into realizing, hey, I'm creating a product, not for Morgan and Morgan's friends, but for the world. Like what's missing? That was the question I kept asking myself and kind of how we have bridged the gap to where we are today. And what was some of that initial feedback from those customers that were tasting your product for the first time? Like you said, that were outside of like your circle of trust. Yeah, they were like, this granola is so good. I could eat it by itself. And I was like, oh, well, why do we assume granola has to be a topping? Why is all granola the same? And I also did the Mueller Farmer's Market here in Austin and just listened to people sample it every day and be like, oh, this is salty. Oh, I love this flavor. This isn't going to break my teeth like all the other granolas you know, listening to little comments like that. And I just wrote all of them down. And then I went back to the drawing board and figured out what is the gap and what can we do different? And a lot of it went back to the granola category stagnant. There's not like a relatable, personable brand there that people can identify with and want to join a community. More than just the granola we make, I really have a heart for creating a community that people can feel like they're a part of, whether that's with Otis, our llama, or the people that you connect with on Instagram. That definitely sets your brand apart. I mean, one of the things that caught my eye originally is the designs. I I love design. So when I saw your packaging, like you mentioned that not just the unique flavors, but you have like the cute llama on there. And I just was like, I haven't seen anything like this. So that's why I was like wanting to learn more about the brand. What was some of the design process like to creating like your brand aesthetic? That was a process. I wish I sent you pictures (laughs) before this call so you could see and laugh with me because one of the first logos I drew was like an oat that was tie-dye and I called it Grenarly, one wild oat. And I'm so glad that that (laughs) is not our logo today, but I'm not a designer. I have like an idea in my brain of what I would have wanted things to be like, but I don't know how to design to save my life. 
So I worked with a marketing agency in Louisiana and kind of told them my idea without giving them any of my like actual ideas of the logo. And they came back to me with three different additions. And one was this double-headed llama. And they pitched it to me as, you know, I wanted something that people see and know Grenardly, like a Nike swoosh. And so they were like, llamas eat oats to fuel their adventures in the wilderness Mm. in Peru. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Like, that's what I want to encourage people to do. And then a double-headed llama. I mean, if you see that, you're like, what the flip is that? And so (laughs) that's what we started with. And then our first edition of packaging was very like every granola out there, white, clean cut, had a double-headed llama, but very repetitive icons, basic colors, like just kind of bland, honestly, because I was trying Mm -hmm. to fit in the market. And then I realized I don't want to be like every other brand out there. I want to stand out. I want to have gnarly packaging that people like turn their head and they're like, is that a llama with a freaking bandana and sunglasses on? And I'm like, yes, it is. And so I worked with my friend who's my designer. He's amazing. He designs a lot of like beer logos and stuff. So when I went, reached out to him during COVID and I was like, Kyle, I need something bright. I need something ridiculous. And I will say that's like our number one compliment before people try the granola that's actually tastes good. They're like, your packaging is just ridiculous and fun and it stands out. Yeah. And I think that's huge, especially in the CPG space. Like people do judge books by their cover when it's a shelf full of food. So that was so smart of you to go the opposite of what everyone is doing, create something funky and weird that aligns with your brand and your mission. Everyone's like, this is very Austin. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Because, you know, when you get into these retailers, like we're at Central Market and Whole Foods, like I can't go, I go demo a lot, but where it's a team of me right now. And I can't be there every day letting people try it in order to buy my product. So it's like, how do we preach what's on the inside on the outside? And I think that, I think we've done a pretty good job of that so far. I think it's definitely helped us. And so when you came to Austin in 2017, how long did you have the food truck before you transitioned to focusing solely on your packaged goods? Yeah. So great question. We kind of kept the food truck open while simultaneously launching the snack packs. Food truck life in and of itself is a hustle. And I had other jobs while doing it. And so it was just, I could write a whole book around food truck stories. It was hilarious. And I can't believe half the things that me and Shelby did. But the final straw with the food truck for me was in, I think at the end of 2019, someone had broken into the food truck and stole my fridge, which does not sound like a big deal. But to me, it was like the final straw. It was just like, we had to get this custom fridge and it barely fit in the door. And it was just like a whole thing. And when someone did that, I felt invaded. And then COVID hit. That's when the food truck stopped operation. I would say like simultaneously when the Grenarly packaged goods was growing a ton. So it just kind of made sense for us to transition. And you mentioned now that your products are available in Central Market and Whole Foods. When did you begin to approach retailers to get Grenarly products on shelves? So back in 2017, the weekend I moved here for the food truck festival. I walked into the Whole Foods at the domain with Grenarly and I put it on the shelves. Like I literally was (laughs) like, I want to see what this looks like. And the guy working the aisle was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is Grenarly. I'll need it. And keep in mind, this is when our packaging was white and basic and our little packs and they don't even sell little packs of granola right now. So they were like, what are you doing? And, but it got their attention. And that is when I got connected with the buyer at Whole Foods who brought me in this year, which is crazy. I love mentioning this story because if we got in back in 2017, I have no doubt we would have figured out how to make it work. But 
where we were in 2017 versus where we were this May, 2022, when we actually got on the shelves is drastically different. Our company is drastically different. The recipes have stayed the same, but I've grown up a lot. And I feel like this was the year for us to actually go into Whole Foods. And so I think it's just relationship building. I go to a lot of networking events in town. I guess a lot of email addresses. I do a lot of LinkedIn searching and I just love building relationships with people because at the end of the day, these buyers for stores are people too. I just nurture the relationships and trust that, you know, they're doing their job. It's not a personal thing. And I just, you know, try to figure out what they need, how we can be a good partner. And we've just been growing ever since. Mm -hmm. So your advice would be to sort of get in contact and build relationships with buyers, but also be patient and know that it might not come at the time that you're wanting it, but maybe when you need it. My favorite thing I always say is a no is just a not right now. And sometimes no's are hard no's and they will never be yeses. But a lot of it is just having the grit to keep going. And a lot of people give up early and it's hard. It's really Mm -hmm. hard, especially to be told no a lot. But if you believe in your product and you believe it's something good that needs to be on the shelves, all it takes is one store, then another store. And, you know, we're going to launch into a retailer nationwide next year, um, which is kind of like insider knowledge for this podcast, but, um, and happening as we speak. And that's why I failed to get you your granola this week is because I'm dealing with other things that I shouldn't be handling by myself, but it's a, it's great. It's growth, but it's a process. And I just feel like if you keep going, eventually it'll pick up and it'll happen, you know? Yeah. Well, I was about to say, like, how are you preparing for that nationwide launch into a retailer? Like, are you, (laughs) are you okay? (laughs) Am I okay? No, no, I'm great. I'm better than ever. Honestly, I was uh, on a call yesterday for the retailer and I was like, literally turned off my video and was jumping up and down with joy because I'm like, these are the moments I've prayed for dreamed of. Like it's absolute chaos, but so much fun. But I just had a meeting right before this and I was telling the the advisor, I'm, I have a lot of advisors and mentors. I feel like that's very important because I'm at this point where I don't know everything and I don't want to know everything. And I want to learn from people smarter than me. But um, I was telling them like, how do I bridge apartment Grenarly to nationwide Grenarly? And we're not just operating an apartment. We have a manufacturer and stuff, but, but you know, it's a small, it's me and Grenarly and how do I build a team and do all those things. So right now I'm in this season of asking a lot of questions taking a lot of notes and we're going to raise money. So it's just, it's a process. I feel like the hardest thing to get is a yes from these big retailers. The last thing I want is to get the yes and not be able to support it. And so I'm basically making sure even on a small scale right now that all of our systems are set up in order to succeed on that level. That's great. Well, congratulations. That's huge. That's really exciting. Is the manufacturing still taking place in Louisiana? Yeah. It's like East Texas, Louisiana. Line. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's there for now. Um, they're great. I love them and they have grown with us and I could speak wonders about them. Um, but we, we are in the process of potentially looking elsewhere just for scalability. And, um, I feel like I've been seeking wisdom from a lot of food companies and a lot of people have multiple that they source from just in case there's a, a, a machine down or a, Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things. So those are, those are things I'm working on literally right now is our operations, which is not my strong suit, but I have some people helping me. So, yeah, that's good. Well, in doing my research, I read that you were at one point considering going on Shark Tank. Why yeah. did you, why did you ultimately decide against it? So <laughs> they called me in 2016, which is, I mean, I had the dream in 2015. I turned on vet school 
And then in March of 2016, they called me out of the blue and they were like, how much money do you need from the sharks? And I literally told them $2,000 because I had no idea what I was doing. And I sent them samples in Ziploc bags with handwritten labels. And I made my cute little video they asked for. They didn't bring me on. Obviously, they're probably like, who is this girl? Like, she does not have it together. But I also was like, I don't want to do this yet. Like, I kind of want to learn the quote unquote hard way. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I knew I I didn't want to go on the show yet. And that's when they took a percent just for even being on the show. I think they may still do that now. Um, And so I ultimately decided against doing it. Then they called me again earlier this year. And same thing, like, if they called me today and were like, you've been accepted, we want you on the show, I would 1000% do it but you have to know your numbers and stuff. And as a business owner, it's something I want to grow in and whether we go or not, I'm still trying to work on making sure I know what I'm talking about. That makes sense. Smart (laughs) decision. Yeah. (laughs) Also, you said like you requested $2,000. I feel like the sharks sneeze that much money. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. I'm like, they would have laughed at me. They would have been like, who's this cute little Georgia girl? Like I have that in my pocket right now, you know? Yeah. But it's cool to see too, like how far you've grown just in those five years. Like it's amazing too, to look back on and think, oh, like at one point that was all I needed. Now, you know, you've grown so much. You're so right. That's a great point. I haven't even thought about that because sometimes <laughs> I move so fast that I like, I love looking back, but like, it, you're absolutely right. Like the samples I sent them this year versus 2016 are like not even the same company, you know, but it is, yeah. really, it is really cool to see mm-hmm. how we've grown. So yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned earlier the importance of having mentors and like a community. Um, Austin has a fairly large startup community. What has your experience as a founder been like moving to the city as far as like building a network and meeting other like-minded people? I've loved it. I feel like this is the space for that. And I actually moved to Colorado last year for some personal reasons um, and moved back to Austin just because the community here, especially for CPG um, is so there's nothing like it. And I know there's a big group in, you know, Dallas and LA and Boulder and, you know, major cities, but Um, from what I've learned, it's just people here are so willing to help and not, I mean, you have competitors, but they're more of like on your team, even if they can't give you anything or you can't give them anything. Um, they just, people are big champions of each other. And so I have gotten plugged in with naturally Austin, the SKU community. There's a few like CPG communities here that I go to their events that are open to the public. Um, and through that, I've met a lot of founders, but also just if you're not in any of those cities and you're a founder listening or want to start a business, my best advice that I give to anyone is just reach out to people, like DM them on Instagram, connect with them on LinkedIn. People love to share what they've learned or, you know, and I do too. I love when people call me and I'm like, look, I don't have it all figured out, but I'd love to encourage you in this. And so I feel like the community here is really good at that. And there's events, I mean, every day, every week, every weekend, whether it's happy hours or coffees or summits to teach you things, there's just so much in this community here. If you put yourself out there and just have a conversation or two, you'll more than likely end up in the pot without even trying very hard. That's great. Your company brand name, Gnarly, comes from the word gnarly. It's clear from your website and social media that adventure is a huge like passion of yours. We've talked about that a little bit just in this conversation. How do you think your sense of adventure benefits you as an entrepreneur? Oh, I love that. That's a great, you have great questions. This is one of my favorite podcasts I've been on. Don't tell the others. I think it has everything to do with being a business owner, but also life. I was seeing a therapist and I love mentioning that because I just feel like it's so important. She was talking to me and it's like she knew how to speak my language because she said, 
Morgan, I feel like you're in this season of hiking the 14er and you see the top, you know where you're going, you have your goal, like you have everything you need to get there, but it takes time. It takes refueling along the way. It takes water. It takes support and encouragement. Like sometimes there's these summits where you have to sit down and take a break. And I love that analogy because I feel like that's life of a business owner and just life in general. It is an adventure. It's never black and white. It's always gray. Some days you're on the mountaintop. Some days you're in the valley. I feel like when you look at life and business as an adventure, it makes it more fun. But I'm like, you know what? If it's a hard day or a hard task or we get turned down or the door closes, I'm like, okay, well, it's just redirecting your steps. And that's what makes it a journey. So I don't know. I, I, love, I love referring to life and business owning as an adventure because that is, it's so unpredictable. You can set goals. I feel like that's super important. You can have an idea of where you're going, but like, you know, a rock's going to fall or you're going to trip over something or you're going to meet someone along the way. And like, those are things that you can't ever plan for, you know? Yeah, no, that's such a great perspective to have on it because like you said, life is always going to get in the way and it's okay to, you know, stop, take breaks, take care of yourself, regroup. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me like of a, what you were just saying of there's like an ancient Japanese proverb that's like, if you want to go fast, travel alone. If you want to go far, travel with others. Yes, and I think I that's that. so important about like building a community and just knowing that it's okay to take your time to accomplish what life has in store for you. That's so true. I love that. That's a great proverb. I know you gave us a little bit of a teaser of like a nationwide retailer, but can you tell me anything else that's next for Granarly as far as like upcoming goals or plans that you may have for the future? Yeah. So we have major sales goals for Q4, which we are kicking off strong five days in right now. And it's exciting and scary and all the things. So that's like our short term. Like, I think we'll probably have the best quarter we've ever had, um, which is cool. And I'm building a team. We're raising money. Just kind of, I've been calling it my growing up season. I mean, I feel like I have grown with Bernarly, but it's kind of been that passion project over the years. And now it's a real business and, um, it's just kind of reframing my mindset around that all. And, um, taking it seriously and taking myself seriously, not too serious, but you know, enough <laughs> to like, no, I, I have, I have a great product and I have it in me. Um, and so I'm really excited to build a team to bring people on that are way better at things than I am and figure out what I'm actually really good at. So I can hone in on that. Um, and then, yeah, we're launching. I mean, Lord willing, we're in the final stages of discussion with a nationwide retailer, which will take us into 1200 doors nationwide um, and somewhere that everyone shops. And so that's exciting. Um, and just nurturing our accounts like Central Market, we're launching in their bulk section. And then Whole Foods, obviously, we're there. And I would love to grow into Whole Foods, Texas wide and region wide. Um, so just so much growth. I just, I feel mm-hmm. like I, was selling one of my mentors I have the fire under my butt now like I'm ready to rock it's like now or never um I'll be 30 in March and I always said like if this isn't bringing in a profit and supporting me by 30 I I need to reevaluate where I'm at because I've been doing it for my 20s and I feel like it's really happening and now's the time and so yeah I just feel like a new energy and I'm excited that's awesome well congratulations again I personally can't wait to watch the brand grow I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? I'm going to divide it into two, if that's okay. One is if you feel like it's your calling and your passion and you believe in it wholeheartedly, don't let other people tell you how to do it. Like you can seek wisdom and and guidance. And obviously like we can't always think we're right and have everything together and perfect. But if it's something like I, for instance, I had people back in the day be like, 
why would you make granola? There's so much granola. Or are you kidding me? That's oatmeal. Like we don't need any more oatmeal in the world. And I almost let those people dictate what my future was going to look like, but I knew that Grenarly was going to be different and I could see clearly the vision and where it was going. And so if it's something you believe in wholeheartedly and you feel strongly about, like, don't let those people, like people speak out of their own insecurities and you just kind of got to push past and keep believing in yourself and what's in front of you. If you see the vision, um, and my other piece of advice would be, don't be afraid to ask questions and reach out to people. I am, will DM people from Blake Lively down to my neighbor. Like I, I'm not afraid to talk to anyone. I'm like, you know, worst, I love Blake Lively by the way, but I'm like the worst thing that could happen is they don't reply. Like it's, you know, whatever. The best thing that could happen is they want to talk to you. And so I just feel like, don't be afraid to ask questions, especially from people you admire. Um, I think that's the best way to learn is from other people's failures and other people's successes. And um, yeah, I can't reiterate that enough. I get DMs all the time. If anyone listening wants to message me, my Instagram's Morgan A. Potts, do it, Grenarly, like all the things. Like I love to chat, um, clearly. And I feel like a lot of people do as well. And so it's just, it's fun to be able to learn from other people and to not do life alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great advice, Morgan. And thank you again for joining me on the podcast. This has been such a fun conversation. I would love it if you could let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Granarly online on social media and where they can buy your products. Yeah. So you can keep up with Granarly at granarly.com. I actually, I didn't even tell you this. So I'm going to say it right now, but I created mm-hmm. an office chats um, discount code. It's just office oh, chat sweet. and it's for 20% off. So anyone listening can get 20% off on our website using office chats. So you can find us at Grenarly.com on Instagram at Grenarly. You can find me um, at Morgan A. Potts on Instagram. And then I will say my email is just Morgan at Grenarly.com. I, my inbox is always open. It might take me some time to reply, but it is there. If you live in Austin, we're at Whole Foods, Central Market, Blenders and Bowls, um, Royal Blue Grocery. And then if you're in Texas, all Central Markets across Texas. And I think that's it right now. Thank you so much to Morgan for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 